You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, welcome Kensington. Would you like to stand and sing with us this morning? All right. Your blood has my future Good morning, friends. I want to welcome you to this service on behalf of all of us at Kensington. If we haven't met, I'm Andrea Gibbs, the intern director, which means that I have the incredible privilege of teaching and inspiring our interns. I have two opportunities I'm excited to share with you. The first is our upcoming one-day women's retreat, Getaway. On September 18, women from all of our campuses will be escaping 
I mean getting away from home, work, and responsibilities. Instead of a weekend of camping as we used to do, we're headed into the city of Detroit to the beautifully renovated Durfee Innovation Center. It's a breathtaking historic building with an even more beautiful mission to invest in the people of Detroit. So, women of all ages, join us for this very special day of self-care. It's a time to reflect on God's perfect, detailed design in creating you. Space is limited, so register now at kensingtonchurch.org getaway. The second opportunity I want to invite you into is our annual back-to-school initiative with our school partners. We're on a mission to show the love of Jesus in practical ways to local students and staff at our nine partner schools this fall. Join us in making an impact. There are three ways you can participate. You can donate. Our online shopping cart, available through September 17th, makes it easy to purchase specific supplies or make a general donation for school needs. Donate at kensingtonchurch.org slash school partners. You can shop. Bring your new supplies to your campus lobby through September 5. The five items needed are crayons, glue sticks, pencils, spiral notebooks or composition books, and pocket folders. Or you can volunteer. Share your time and talents by joining one of our five school partners move out teams. Thank you so much for caring about the students and staff in our communities. We have heard firsthand what an impact these efforts are making. Hello everyone, I am Dr. Deborah Charman. I am currently the principal of ILA and that acronym actually stands for International Language Academy. Each child receives um, Spanish instruction every day aside from music and art and gym and of course English and, and social studies and science and math and so we're just giving them a really rich curriculum that will help them to become global learners and to really become productive in society. There's probably even somebody just like you. Whatever you had that was tough for you at school or made you feel different, um, there's a kid here for you. Um, and there's a story that that, that you will attach to. Um, always have them, and, there, and there's always a need. And when, whether it's you know donating supplies or uh, coming and helping tutor or, or reading or um, you just got a great idea that you want to, you know, is this something that maybe we can do? Probably yes. First of all, let me say this, uh, Kensington, um, aside from all the tangibles and the things that you all have brought, just your presence. We as administrators, of course, we were making sure that we uh, honor our teachers, but you guys did the same thing. You brought in um, flowers and candy and just set up things for the teachers. There was the ice cream. Uh, we had uh, ice cream sundaes for our students, supplies, bookmarks, pencils, everything you have done to support our team. We thank you. And also, you know, when I think about even with the staff, you know, when the staff feels supported, they can give the best to our children. So that was very important. So kudos, and we are so grateful for Kensington and all that you do. I love to hear that Kensington is encouraging teachers and students. So consider, as I am right now, how you can impact local students. The supply bins are out until next week only. Let's return to our service. We're in the second week of Welcome to the Neighborhood, where we're investing in our neighbors, literally the people who live around us, and challenging ourselves to show Jesus in new and bold ways up and down our own streets. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Welcome to all who have gathered in the room and welcome to those who are joining us online. My name's Greg, I'm part of the team here at Kensington Church. So the video there talked about two things. One was the women's getaway. And I don't know if you're like me, uh, but when I hear about these retreats, I'm like, I, I can't make the time, I got, I'm too busy, I've got kids, I've got work, I've got all these things. But when I jump over that hurdle and I actually take the time to go and get away to focus my attention on God and really like his presence in my life, I'm always impacted. So if you're, if you're thinking about, ah, that sounds great, but I don't really wanna make the drive, I really encourage you to jump over that hurdle and be a part of this getaway or retreat for women. Grab a friend, take the drive, and you will be glad that you did. And the second thing was um, school partners. So our school partner locally here in Traverse City is Traverse Heights elementary and we all know it's been a bonkers year with COVID and restrictions and learning from home all of those things so we talked to um, we're, we're doing our school supply drive and so you can give you can go online to um, the school partners part of our website and find a supply list or even donate there um, and if you're here locally in Traverse City 
Uh, we actually have um, Brianna, who's our um, school partner, move out team leader uh, for Kids Hope. And so she's gonna be out in the lobby today and we'll have a little list that Traverse Heights gave us specifically, just a few other extra items because what happened in Traverse City actually is, is they had a pretty good stock of supplies um, before the school year started last year, but they actually, with so many kids learning from home, they gave away everything they could. So they have no stores of supplies like they did before. So like this year beyond other years, there is a big need and you can really help in a big way um, by going and um, getting supplies and coming in. So we have our bucket, we'll have our bucket in the lobby next week. If you can get it next week, that's awesome. If you can't, um, we'll help you get them to the school uh, the, the following week, but I really encourage you to take part in that. Well, if you were watching with us uh, the last couple weeks, we had our annual report video, and we saw of, uh, all the ways that God is moving both locally and globally. You know, around the world is through the generosity of people who believe in the movement of Kensington that they're we're moving out all over the world. We're digging wells in Africa. We're planting churches in northern India. We're supporting um, our global partners in places like Haiti and Afghanistan, and so it's really through your generosity and living open-handed that we can do those incredible things. So coming up, so today is our annual vote, and so the way we're doing that, we're not passing anything out, we're going to ask you to do it electronically, and so there's a few things um, on there, so Katie, you can show us kind of the, yeah, the numbers there, so we'll throw that up on the screen, you can take a uh, take a look, um, but the way you can get a closer look to it, if you go to kensingtonchurch.org slash vote, uh, and you can find all that information, and also cast your vote for the budget and for the elders. So if you call Kensington home, I'd really encourage you uh, to take about 30 seconds today, a minute, and look over these things and cast your, cast your vote. We would appreciate that. Um, so the voting is basically open from 9 a.m. to 12.30 uh, p.m. today, so if you can do that for us, that would be amazing. Well, we're going to continue our day. We are in week two of our neighborhood series, a Welcome to the Neighborhood series, and so our band is going to lead us in a, a song to get us going. So sometimes, whether we do it consciously or not, we find ourselves kind of putting up fences around us, and we find ourselves kind of in an island or in a stage of isolation. People say we got it made. Don't they know we're so afraid? I Just 
just a boy and a little girl trying to change the whole wide world. morning gang how you doing good to see you all today good to see your smiling faces and your energy in the room it's so good to see you um you know we're, we're diving into this series we, we greg was talking about it earlier this series about welcome to the neighborhood and um i don't think this is something that is unfamiliar to us i mean i think at the end of the day we all know like yeah you're supposed to be a good neighbor. Uh, nobody's really questioning that. But what we wanted to do toward the end of the summer is before we really get into the schedules and routines and structure of school life and the fall and um, everything that comes with that, we decided like, hey, let's go through this, this series and let's look at some of the things that Jesus said, uh, some of the things that he said, some of the things that he did and let's just get that in our minds so that as the fall ramps up and things get super busy, we're, we're being intentional to love our neighbors as we love ourselves because we don't want to be uh, too busy for that. So that's kind of like where, where we're uh, kind of jumping in this week. Um, and it's kind of like this. It's, it's this prayer. This kind of expresses the sentiment of this series. The, the prayer is, uh, God, how can I be a better neighbor to those around me? How can I truly love others, man, even when they have crazy, vast differences? Uh, open my eyes, Lord, and show me how I can reflect you to those around me. And so this is kind of the prayer. This is our hope with this series, and um, this is kind of what we're, we're going into. I just want to welcome you. I know Greg did earlier. If you're here, if you're in this room whether you call this your church home or maybe you're visiting from somewhere else, I just want to say thanks for being here. It's wonderful to have you. For those of you that watch online, we have a, a, a decent-sized uh, you know, group of people that watch online. Uh, I want to welcome you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Whether you're from Traverse City or Downstate or wherever you're watching from, um, it's just a joy to have you. Can we just do something? We don't do this enough, I don't think. We don't acknowledge our online audience. Um, can we just say good morning, Kensington, on the count of three? And we, you got to say it loud enough that my microphone picks it up so that people at home can hear. Can we do that? So on the count of three, good morning, Kensington. One, two, three. Good morning, Kensington. That's awesome. I love it. Um, you know, around here, we're really excited about a couple things. There's, there's a lot of things that we're excited about. We're excited uh, to see people transformed and mobilized. And we use these two words all the time, and I talk about it all the time. Uh, but man, this, this continual transformation that God does in our life, that Christ does in our heart, uh, that it just continues. And some people around here are experiencing it for the first time, and maybe they're caught in something, and Jesus is starting to transform them, and, and that just sparks our excitement. Um, so transformation, but we also believe in, in mobilization, and by that, like, you know, God has given us different passions and different, different abilities and different personalities. And when we align those things with his purpose for our life, uh, we call that mobilization. And so we're just excited about this and about what's happening um, as, as a campus, but also as a, a church movement. Um, I, wanna, I wanna share a couple giving opportunities this morning. Uh, the first one is, I don't know about you watching the news this week, you know, I was tuning in last night. Um, you have the Haiti earthquake. You have everything that's happening in Afghanistan. Um, and, and now this morning, you know, today, my heart just feels for the people of Louisiana and the, the, the hurricane that's about to hit, or if it hasn't already, it, it is hitting. Um, and, and we could go on with our church service. We could, we could go on with, and, you know, talk about 
all that stuff. But I just think it's important for us to take a moment and recognize that there's people struggling all over the world, brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't know what it's like to be persecuted. And it's happening right now, and I don't know about you, but watching the news just makes me like really re-examine my faith in Christ because I can lean into my preferences way too easily and some of these people are backed up against the wall and they're, they're really wondering if they're going to survive. And so um, I just, I just want to take a, a moment. We're going to pray for that in a little bit. But just taking a moment together and acknowledging that, the weightiness of that. Um, and uh, so w- one of the first giving opportunities is, and I don't know if you're like me, you just feel helpless at times. Um, but we can support uh, people in Afghanistan. There's families that are just desperately trying to get out of this area. And we, we're partnering with people, and I think it costs like $1,000 to help get families out. And I'm not sure how that's all really happening, but if you're like me and you just feel helpless and you want to give and, and do something outside of prayer, um, you can go to our website slash giving um, and then give on the app and just kind of follow the prompts for Afghanistan. So that's the first giving opportunity. The second giving opportunity is... Uh, man, just supporting the movement. For those of you that call Kensington your church home, um, thank you so much. You know, we talk about transformed and, and, and being transformed and mobilized, and um, this is what we're about around here, and this is what we're excited about. So if you want to continue to support the movement, you can do that. Uh, text the word Kensington to the number 77977. You can give on the app, the website. You can write a check, mail it in, drop it in the bucket in the back. Um, however, you do that. But thank you for your generosity that allows us to continually lean in and uh, follow Jesus. I'd like to just pray this morning. I don't know if you just feel the weightiness of that, but um, I'd just like to pray. So if you, if you would join me. Lord, we, we gather in this, this place. Some of us are watching online. And, and Lord, we just ask that you give our hearts um, a sensitivity to the things that are happening around us. <laughs> we're talking about loving our neighbors and welcome to the neighborhood, this series. And, and yes, we're talking about how to love actually the people that live around us, but Lord, help us to love and think about and pray for those in need all over the world. And so Lord, the people of Afghanistan who are just uh, struggling in the situation there that we, we really don't know the gravity of that, but you do. And so we ask that your hand is with those people and, and, and um, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ there that are just, uh, man, I, I just can't imagine what they're going through. And so we just, we ask that you are with, uh, with them. Um, Lord, we, we continually pray for the people of Haiti who are, I feel like they've just constantly been recovering from earthquakes, earthquakes of the past, earthquakes of this past week. And, um, and then, Lord, the people of Louisiana and the South this morning, we just pray that your hand is uh, with them, that you're... Uh, Man, bring safety and uh, shelter to people. So, Lord, we bring this before you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So about, about neighboring. Um, in Traverse City, we did something a little bit different last week. We, we started this neighboring series, and we decided to share and tell the story, kind of a familiar story that many of us know. If you grew up in the church, this is like ingrained in your thinking. And if you haven't been around the church, odds are you've heard of this story. It's the Great Samaritan story. And so we, we kind of launched into this neighboring series with the Great Samaritan story where someone asked Jesus, what do I have to do to experience eternal life. And we talked about eternal life a little bit. You can go back last week and watch, but what do I have to do to experience um, eternal life is what, what the question that was asked to Jesus. And Jesus said, well, well what scriptures uh, do you use to think about this? Uh, how do you think about it? And so the person that asked the question actually quoted two scriptures, one from Deuteronomy 6 and the other one from Leviticus 19. Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, without exceptions, without limitations or boundaries, love God completely. But then he went into Leviticus 19, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so he, like, he had the right answer. He quoted the right scripture. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. But 
uh, do this and you'll live. And this is kind of the, the tension, isn't it? Like we know, sometimes we know the right thing, but we don't actually do it. And so the person didn't go and do this. He actually pressed in and asked Jesus, well, who, who is my neighbor? And this is what's really interesting. Because we have to remember the question, who is my neighbor, is what was asked of Jesus. But then he goes into this story about the Good Samaritan and this person that was injured on the side of the road and, and, and two religious people pass by on the other side. And then finally, a Samaritan, who the Jewish people really didn't like, ended up helping. And, and Jesus then posed the question, well, who do you think of these three, who do you think was a neighbor? Now, that wasn't the question he was asked. He was asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus responded, which one do you think was the neighbor? Okay, go and be like that guy. Do you catch the difference? Instead of like questioning who our neighbor is, Jesus is telling us, go and be someone's neighbor. Go be neighborly to, 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 the, to those in need. And so we kind of talked about that, and we looked at this controversial thing that Jesus said that kind of freaked the, the, the religious powers, the religious people out. And today, I want to look at something that Jesus did that's just, if not more, controversial. And so if you have your Bible, if you use your Bible app or um, anything like that, you can follow along on the screen. We're going to dive into Luke 5 uh, today, and we're going to tell this story from Luke 5. Uh, so again, if you have your Bible, check it out, Bible app. It's also going to be on the screen but I want to give some context, because this, this story, this, this interaction that Jesus has doesn't take place in a vacuum. There's actually some things that are happening before it. So Jesus, we're, we're told that in, in the beginning of Luke, you know, Jesus is born, and as Luke is telling this story, Jesus starts his public ministry. He's tempted in the wilderness, um, and he's going around, and he's teaching people, and um, man, what else is he doing? He's healing people, and... And there's this really interesting dynamic that starts to take place. I just love this story. There's a, a, a people, a bunch of people that start paying attention to Jesus. Like they're on the fringes, they're the marginalized, maybe they're not the churchy kind of religious-y types, but they're listening to Jesus and they're watching what he's doing. And so they're starting to pay attention and, and they're starting to like, this, this is gaining movement among people who aren't so religious simultaneously, the religious people are starting to pay attention to Jesus, but not in a positive way. Like they are, they're, they're, their feathers are getting ruffled, right? Because Jesus is going around and he's teaching and it says he's healing. And at one point, it says that like he forgave someone. And the religious people caught wind of this and, and they're like, man, own, what, who can forgive sins except God alone? And so their animosity is increasingly festering. And this is where we pick up on the story. So again, people are leaning in. People are curious. People desire something spiritually that's real, that's authentic. And they've sniffed enough fake out uh, with the religious leaders of the day. And so now Jesus comes along, and Jesus is teaching something that's actually real. And the religious people can't stand it. So this is where we are. This is Luke 5, verses uh, 27 through 32. After this, what I just shared, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up and he left everything and he followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large, look at this, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples like, why is he, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors? And Jesus answers, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Can I just say something? It, isn't Jesus awesome? Like, isn't he the most amazing, phenomenal thing? Like, I read this story, and I'm just telling you how I feel. There's something about me that just gets pumped up knowing that Jesus is like ticking off 
the religious leaders? Do you ever feel that? Like, yeah, you, like, get them. Like, I love that they're, I love the contrast and the tension of the story. I love that, that Jesus is doing things in their face. And, and, and the self-righteous religious leaders just can't stand it. But I love that he's gaining the attention of those who kind of written off religion. And so what I'd like to do is I would just like to look at a couple things from this story the controversial parts of this story and, and really apply it to the, the way we think and, and act as neighbors. Because there's some things about this story that really, like you look at the context that Jesus is in and then you look at our context and you can take some of the things that Jesus did and you can apply it to the way you neighbor others, the way you live in, neighborhood, in the neighborhood. So this is, this is the first thing. This is, there's a couple components to this, but the first thing is this. This is what the story says. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Now, I don't, I don't know if I want to like unpack tech, tax collector and then the fact that he saw him. But first of all, I want to share some dynamics about tax collectors because this is a foreign, somewhat foreign thing to us. So follow me. A tax collector was a Jewish person. And at the time, the Roman Empire was expanding and they were occupying the Jewish people's country, land. There's the Roman Empire, their force, their army was everywhere and the Jewish people couldn't stand it. And so what they were doing was like they were taxing the Jewish people. But do you know who they hired to tax the Jewish people? They hired Jewish people to tax the Jewish people. So, so they, they hired one of the Jewish people's own and then said, hey, you need to collect money from your own people. Now, just, just follow me for a second. Imagine how despised a tax collector would be. They're basically traitors. They're, they, they've lost loyalty from their own people. They're working on behalf of the Roman Empire to take money from their friends, their neighbors, their family. And um, this was really interesting, but there was another component to this. A tax collector was known, usually known uh, to be, uh, like, if you were a tax collector, you're, you're doing pretty well for yourself because there was so much corruption involved. Um, and so I was reading about this this week, like a tax collector would actually pay the Roman Empire up front, and then he would go and then collect taxes from the people to recoup the cost. But he wouldn't, like, just take enough to recoup. He would take extra in order to support his living. But because this wasn't regulated, a tax collector would take a lot extra, and they would become pretty wealthy people of the day. But they were traitors, and they weren't loyal. And so... Um, we just, need to, we just need to know that. That's some context. Like a tax collector is a loaded thing. People could not stand tax collectors. So that's the first thing. The second part of this is that this is who Jesus saw. He, the, the story points out that Jesus saw him. Now imagine what Jesus is going through. The religious people are starting to get angry, but there's other people that are starting to follow along, and this is kind of a, there's exciting, there's a lot of attention on Jesus, and he's teaching, and he's doing miracles, and, and he's got this following, this movement is starting. And in the midst of all that, he saw a tax collector. And this is just an interesting thing to me. Like of all the people that this story could have been about. It was about how Jesus saw a tax collector and, and called the tax collector, called Levi, hey, follow me. And it says that Levi left everything, left his job, left his booth, and he followed Jesus. And, and here's a side note. A tax collector wasn't, it was just, they were despised, they were dirty, they were unloyal. And, and, and maybe you just need to know Maybe there's somebody here that needs to know, because maybe you identify with a tax collector. Maybe you need to know that Jesus sees you. Maybe you just need to know that. It doesn't matter if you don't check all the boxes or you don't do all the right things. Maybe you're just here and you feel guilty, or maybe you're feeling convicted of something in your life, and you feel like you know, your own actions is kind of separating you from God. I mean, that is... What was happening here and Jesus saw a tax collector, maybe you're here and you just need to know that Jesus sees you. I, 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 I don't want to skip over this part too fast. God sees you. Even if you're 
making bad decisions, and even if you're a place in your life where you're, you're messing up, God sees you. You with me? Just let that soak in. And I, and I read this story, just this, this one part of this story, and I think, man, what can this teach us about being neighbors? You know, this is, this is my tendency. I'll, I'll leave my house, I'll get in my truck, I'll go down my driveway, wave at my neighbor. I'll go on my merry way. And in my mind, it's full of all the things that I have to do, my agenda, the words, like the things that I have to say, who I have to meet. Like my mind is just thinking about the events of the day. And, and get this, it's really easy to just ignore the people around me. It's really easy to just go on with my day and be super busy and not see my neighbor. And like I see my neighbor and I wave to my neighbor. It's like the, it's the familiar stranger thing, like, hey, hey neighbor. And then I keep going on my merry little way. But like what, I just, I, I keep wondering about this, this dynamic that in the midst of everything Jesus had going on, he was on a rescue mission to save the world. I don't think any of us really have agendas that are that important. But in the midst of everything that Jesus had going on and everybody that's paying attention to him, he still sees the tax collector. And it's like, what if we applied this to the way that we lived our lives, the way, the way that we were neighbors or the ways that we lived in community together? What if we took time to see each other, not just physically, but like, what's your neighbors or the people that live around you? Like, what's their name? What's their story? What's their demeanor look like from day to day? What do they like? What don't they like? Like, do we really take the time to get to know the people who live around us, to see them? And this is what Jesus does. So I want to I ask a question. Um, what, if, what if you saw people in your neighborhood, your, people in your neighborhood where you live that are around you every day, the people that you encounter what if you saw their humanity? What if you saw them as people who bore God's image? What if you saw them as people that were children of God? What are their names? What do they look like? Where do they work? What's their story? In the midst of our busy, busy lives, like what would happen to this community if we actually took time to see one another? Odds are you're like me. You walk in these doors on a Sunday morning, uh, and then you come in the auditorium, and then you sit down, and you kind of soak in the music and take in a message, and then you leave these doors so that you go outside the doors, and then you leave. What if we actually pushed pause and was, were intentional to just get to know someone that we haven't really talked to? What if we took five minutes to, to, to mingle in the lobby, just kind of take extra time and get to know someone? I'm going to keep pushing on this because I think it's an important thing. And this is the problem, at least at our Traverse City campus. This door to exit the auditorium is way too close to the outside door. I'm like, we should block this wall off, put a door in the middle, and force people to go through the lot. I'm sorry. That's forced community. I, <laughs> oh, you like that? Oh, my gosh. I shouldn't have said that out loud. What if, what if we saw people in our neighborhood? It's like maybe this needs to be our prayer. Like, God, help us to see people for who they really are, their stories, their facial expressions. Like, take time. And I don't say this because I'm perfect at it. I say this because Jesus challenges me, challenges me to be more like him each and every day. Another controversial thing that Jesus does in this story is it, it says, the text says that he ate and drank with tax collectors and sinners. You might move on from this phrase and read this story and kind of go on to the next thing, but Jesus ate and drank with tax collectors and sinners. There's a, a cultural context piece to this. Because in the first century, among the Jewish people, you would only eat and drink, at least visibly, with people that you agreed with. 
So to sit and eat with someone means that you agree with their lifestyle, you, you're affirming of them, and it would have meant like you, you, you approved of the way that they were living their lives. And so the fact that Jesus is eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners was a big problem for the Jewish religious leaders. And so Jesus calls this tax collector Levi to follow him, and not long after, Levi throws a party and invites all his tax collector friends and all their sinner friends. That's what it says. And, and, and they, they invited Jesus to Levi's home, and Jesus comes and he eats and drinks, not only with Levi, but with the large crowd of tax collectors. And I just, like, imagine the ripple that this would send throughout the community. You know, you get people, the religious people, kind of huddling in their little corners, talking and being critical of what's happening among the group. And, and, and this is what they would have been saying. They, they would have been wondering, like, was, was Jesus tolerant of sin? Did Jesus affirm the corruption of the tax collectors? Like, how, how, could, how could Jesus condone the character of of those people and culturally this is what Jesus would have been like this is what would have been happening that it would have drove the religious people nuts they had a they had a robust practice of distancing themselves from anyone who was unclean dirty not living up to their standards hey i'm going to live my life in this this perfect little sterile bubble and anyone that doesn't meet my standards, I'm going to push them out and keep them away. Doesn't, Jesus, like, don't you have standards? Luke 5.30 says, but the, tax, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, look at this, this is really insightful, who belonged to their sect. Got to really be careful the way I say that word who belonged to their sect. They complained to his disciples, why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And maybe this is illuminating for me. Uh, maybe this was part of the problem. And I would suggest, and I'm not trying to point my finger or criticize the church. I love the church. I love it so much. But each and every day, I feel like there's a calling to be more and more like our Savior, more like our Lord, more like Jesus. And, and maybe we still do this. Maybe it's still part of the problem. Maybe we still belong to our sect, our group. Maybe this surfaces in a way of like people, I'm going to only spend time with people who have the same skin color or people who, who, who have the same socioeconomic status or the people who are, who are cool. I'm just going to, I'm going to stick with that group. Or, or, or maybe it's people who only have the same yard signs and bumper stickers that we do. We stick to our sect, and we find ways to create barriers between us and the people around us. We're, we're, we're called to be neighbors, but we, we're, it's almost like we're comfortable with being strangers. And I love what Jesus says. He just completely obliterates and undermines what the religious people are poking at. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I, I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I mean, just completely takes away their little argument. Because here's the thing, like, this is super problematic to anybody who's self-righteous. Like, if you're self-righteous, you're going to check the boxes. I did this, I said this, I thought this, I believed this, I didn't. It's like all the things that you do, and then all the things that you don't do, and then you create this culture, and it's, it's self-righteousness. It's based on your, your actions. It's, it's, and, and when Jesus shows up, he's like, no, you don't, if you don't have a spiritual need, then I'm no use to you. Like, he calls out. These religious people who created barriers between themselves and anyone else who didn't meet their standards. I was reading a book this week, and it was really um, interesting. But it, it was talking about the difference between self-righteous people and, and Jesus. And it's, it's interesting for this neighboring um, series because 
here's the slide. It says that self-righteous people, they want you to experience conversion first. Once you experience conversion, then you can do community together. But what Jesus does is he shows up and he invites people into community. And this author wrote that conversion flowers from communion or community. And so he invites people to experience communion with him. He sits down with them, and and as a result, their exposure, their proximity to Jesus was transformational. And I, I say transformational like I mean that with all potency. This is what's so fascinating. This tax, just think about this with me for a second. This tax collector, Levi, who all the religious people despised, he left everything to follow Jesus. He became a disciple of Jesus. And like some of the other disciples, Jesus changed his name. Do you know what he changed Levi's name to? Matthew. Do you know what Matthew went on to write? The Gospel of Matthew. The hairs on my arms are standing up straight right now because this is so fascinating. We've been reading the Gospel of Matthew for 2,000 years, and it has influenced and affected millions of people. This tax collector that Jesus welcomed and called became a follower of Jesus and had an influential voice that sent ripples across the world. All because Jesus got rid of the fence and instead sat at a table with him. I was thinking about like an application for today and just a way to think about this. And here's, we're calling today fences into tables. I don't know what kind of fences you have in your life. We all have different fences, ways that we create boundaries and barriers between us and other people. I was thinking about this fence, right? What's what's your fence? What's the boundary that you have between you and the people that live next to you? What's the excuse that you have to remain a stranger and not be a neighbor? I want to bring this fence out. This series has been, I mean, I mean, looking at the things that Jesus said and did has been super, <laughs> this is just what Jesus does. This is what, what happens when you open and you read these stories and the things and his teachings. But, like, I have fences between me and the people in my life, and some of them are super superficial. <laughs> but this is what Jesus models in this story with Levi and calls him, and he becomes Matthew, and he... I mean, he just speaks to the world. What if we got rid of the fences and in a really practical way, what if we were the neighbor that invited others to sit at a table with us? Right? What if we turned this fence into a table and then what if... What if we did this? What if we invited the people that lived around us to actually have a meal with us? I was talking to our small group this week, and we were all sharing about how there's just something that is so, I don't know. There's something that's so powerful about sitting at a table and eating together. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I was thinking about this, and we've never done this before. Um... If you walked in here and you have your communion elements, I'd like you to get those ready because we're going to do that in a second. But I was, I, was, I was thinking, well, what if we sat at a table? I'd like to just invite the, the band to come out and sit with me. And as we're doing this, I, want you, I, I really want you to think about the people that live around you. I want you to think about your neighborhood Who are people that you could invite from your neighborhood to sit at your table 
You could do an outdoor bar. I, I, don't, I don't care what it is. Tell them to bring, I don't know why you guys have snacks. We're going to have communion. But they came prepared. I, I said I was, we were going to do communion and we have snacks. No, I knew they were doing the snacks. I knew, I knew this. What if we did this? Take this image in. Like, what if we did this? This is the application. Like, what if we invited people to our tables? I'm going to sit down too. I was, I was hesitant about doing this because on the screen, this looks too much like another image that we all know too well, and I didn't want to be the center guy. I'm not the center guy, because I don't, but here's the picture. The Lord's Supper. Jesus sits at a table with his disciples, and he tells them, whenever you eat or drink, do it. Come together in, in memory of me, of who I was and what I did. And so this is what we do. Like this, this, what Jesus did, both in his teaching and his life, like we are to continue this. It brings us together at a table. It brings us into community and into relationship with one another. And so I want you to think about this in your own way, but let's, let's just take a moment and take communion together and think of Jesus. So as the story goes, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. His bread was unleavened. It was like flatter than this. But he took bread. And he's sitting around with the 12. And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Whenever you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. So let's remember Christ's body together this morning. Would you take this with me? Christ's body broken for you. Similarly, he took the wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant. This is my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. Remember what I did. This is Jesus' words to us. So let's remember the blood that was shed together this morning. Let's take this. Christ's blood shed for you. And as time goes on and as we live in community together, this becomes the centerpiece for our relationships. We remember this. This represents a sacrificial love that binds us together with our neighbors. It eliminates the fences, the boundaries, the barriers, and it allows us to enter into community together. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for going through everything that you went through. But Lord, also thank you for living for us. Thank you for the things that you taught us. Thank you for the things that you did. Thank you for showing us the way. Lord, we ask that you're with us as we continue our weeks. Lord, we ask that you're with us as we go into the fall and as things get quote unquote busy. Lord, continue to press into our minds and our imaginations ways that we can be, truly be neighbors to one another. In Jesus' name. Amen.
just see, I could just sit and wait for you to goodness, hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and help to feel you, hope to feel something Where are you guys going? You're supposed to, I'm just kidding, I'm just joking. I, I hope this gives you a picture of community, of neighborhood, and the opportunity that all of us have. And so we're going to sing one more song uh, together this morning. I just ask for you to stand up and join us.
strangers' neighbors, our blood is one. Children, generations of every nation, a kingdom come. Don't let your heart
Jesus, light of heaven, friend forever, his kingdom come. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.